Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am glad that you are here with us today. You will notice that my uh, my colleague, my co-host, the esteemed bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, has already been here in the studio with me. Um, today, we bring you a, uh, a very special and somewhat um, melancholy episode. Uh, one of our uh, good friends, guests of the show, uh, we found out uh, on Friday last week that he passed away. And so today we want to do a re-air of a very special episode that we had with Eric Stafford just about three years ago. You're going to want to listen to this, if not only for the wisdom that he shares, but as a way to remember a great man and a marketing legend. Yeah, definitely. I um, You know, I think as well with the the, the subjects of that episode, you know, I, I, I want everybody not just to listen in at, at a tribute that, that we're doing here to remember Eric, but it really is a subject anyway, that everyone's going to get so much value from still to this day. You know, this was a, ironically, this was an evergreen topic that, that will live on, you know, yeah. and I think it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're privileged to have had the opportunity to actually have Eric as a guest on the show and even more so privileged that now in light of what happened, that we get to continue to share his message, uh, with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, um, you know, one of the great things about Eric and, uh, you know, what everybody's going to be able to listen to in a few minutes is his ability to connect with people. And I think that's why uh, the, news, the news of his passing is, you know, so far reaching. Like, you know, I, I was on, you know, social media the other day when when the news first broke. And since then, it's just been a, you know, an outpouring of love. And I think that's a testament to the work that he did. But he embedded that connection in his work and what, you know, what you'll hear on today's episode is really how Eric used empathy and story and, uh, and understanding people to create a connection with brands and with other people. And so it's, um, you know, I think it sort of feels like a, a full circle moment for, uh, for this episode in some ways, uh, simply because the guy that created so many connections with so many other people um, is the guy who taught people how to create those connections as uh, as businesses and how to create experiences for your customers and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, with with what you said, Dean. Which is rare. I don't. I generally <laughs> try not to agree with what you say because uh, most of the time it's absolute rubbish. Um, but today, somehow, uh, you're managing you're managing to uh, share a little bit of wisdom. I, I uh, I'm I'm surprised by that, to be honest. Well, I like to uh, you know keep you on your toes every now and then. Yeah. Well, good. Um, yeah. Anything uh, Anything else that you want people to be on the lookout for on this episode here today? No, I think I think uh, you know I want people to enjoy the show and listen into this show, but. I would just also say in light of, you know, why we're doing this, that, you know, I think if any of us could strive to do anything, that's to make a difference, A, whilst we're here, and we have the opportunity to to do that, you know, 
why we're actually on this planet, but B, to be able to leave something behind that can continue to make an impact and make a difference to people. I don't think anyone could wish for anything more in life. And whilst, you know, we never know when that day is coming, the one thing that I want everybody to do in, you know, as a part of this tribute is to really, you know, sit down and put yourself in a peaceful environment to actually listen to this show and where applicable, do something with it. You know, I think that would be the greatest tribute of all that we could ever do is to pass on and continue to share the work and message uh, and value from, from Eric and for people to be able to continue to implement that to make a difference. I mean, what a great thing to be able to leave behind. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that everyone does that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not just from a, um, you know, this is a good idea perspective. The whole reason we had Eric on the show in the first place when we did was because of the remarkable, uh, results that he helped people create. Absolutely. You know, he was uh, a, a touching human, but also a, incredibly savvy marketer. And just listening to this show, I think, uh, like Dean saying, if you get nothing else, uh, besides the, you know, the remembering of somebody who, um, you know, is, has touched so many people, you can take something from this show, even just one of the things that he shared and apply it to your business and get, uh, get an amazing result. And so, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess without further ado, um, we will uh, we will leave you guys to enjoy the episode that we did with Eric. And Eric, this trumpet is for you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James P. Friel, and I am here today with none other than the magnificent Dean Holland. <laughs> Look at this. Flattery will get you everywhere. What's going on? I'm trying a new approach. <laughs> He's freaking me out. Can you just go back to your old horrible self? You want me to reopen? Hey, what's <laughs> up, everybody? This is James Real. Welcome to another episode of Just Tips. I am sorry to say that I am joined today by Dean Holland. <laughs> there we go. Now I feel a little more comfortable. <laughs> Jeez, freaking me out over here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't prepare you for that. I didn't tell you that I was actually right. going to compliment you on the <laughs> just way. Just you crap. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh man. So we are joined today uh by Eric Stafford who is a uh, very gifted and talented copywriter um but also somebody who is really awesome at helping companies find their brand, their tone of voice and bring out all of the personality attributes uh that a brand should have in connecting with its customers. Eric, welcome to the melee. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Do I have any cool stinger trumpets or anything like that? Any? Uh, yes. Yes, we do. Here's your opening sound. Hey, nice. I like it. That works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chewbacca will welcome you to the show. <laughs> hey, you're blessed, Eric. He must really like you. That's a special one that he didn't bring out very often. That's true. I will, I will take it. I, I prefer trumpets, but I do love some Chewbacca, so I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dean, Dean has actually gotten so spoiled that he insists when he walks into his office in the morning, his team is there waiting with trumpet fanfare to welcome him. And team. <laughs> I know. I know. They've had to widen the doors and hide to them so I can ride through on my noble steed. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Do you have to give uh do you have to give people any sort of bonus for doing that like the putting up with Dean bonus? No, no, it's more of a you're lucky to give me this greeting kind of bonus. Oh, of course. And they right. feel the same way or that's just what you tell them. Not necessarily sure that that feeling's mutual. 
You right. know, you know, uh, you know, guys, we've worked with clients for a number of years and we always ch- call that an emotional distress charge. <laughs> right. You tack that on, you tack that on to the bill at the end, an emotional distress charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah like on it. the itemized bill, it just says, and like it's two X the actual service cost. <laughs> so, um, so Eric, welcome, man. Um, you know, I, there's a couple things I really want to dig into when I heard you were coming on the show. One of the one of the questions that I I generally just like to ask to get a sense of where where people came from is how how did you get started in all this in uh, you know understanding brand and and copy and and all that sort of stuff. Well, you know, it's very interesting, right? I, I think I sort of had um, sales and marketing in my blood. My grandfather was a a Russian immigrant, came over and um, started a business in New York and then in Cleveland, and he was the sort of guy who would just sort of show up one day and tell his wife, my grandmother, Rebecca, Hey, I bought a circus today. Right. Like (laughs) he was one of those guys. Hey, I bought a leather store today because one of my (laughs) tenants couldn't pay his rent. Right. (laughs) Um, And so, um, you know, I just have a sort of a history of um, just connecting with people and looking for opportunities in my blood. And so uh, I grew up in Chicago. I was a punk kid. I was a graffiti writer And I started airbrushing jackets for gang members at a young age and realized that I could make a fair bit of money doing that. And um, just sort of always had my eye out for an opportunity to uh, use my creative skills to make a buck. And majored in fine art in college and had several gallery shows, sold paintings, did commissions until eventually one day my wife said, look, you know, if you ever want to have kids and have a sort of state more stable life, um, you, you need to look at moving towards the computer. And so I got into web design. I got into applying my creative skills, you know, more digitally. And I just sort of had learned about marketing along the way as I went. And my wife was right. We do now have kids, whether or not it's stable remains to be seen. It's, uh, it's still sort of up and down, but, uh, this is now my life. You know, I'm, um, I'm a, I'm a brand strategist and I'm a marketer and, uh, and I love what I do and I can't really complain. Um, Dean, can I ask you, uh, if it's okay, I know this is sort of breaking protocol here. Is it okay to play the trumpets for Eric's grandfather? I feel it's sounds like I feel it's okay. Eric, can you please just say some words about your grandfather real quick? That's very cool, man. Thank you. Yeah. My, my grandfather was, um, he was larger than life. He was one of those people who you just sort of wanted to be around. He always had something interesting happening. He was always doing um, what most people would consider to be strange things. He always brought home strangers and homeless people to share meals. And that was a trait that my mother inherited. And, uh, you know, my mother always was bringing home strange and interesting people. There were always homeless people in and around our house and she was always hugging strangers. And so that's something I try and do myself today is just put a smile on people's faces. And I definitely inherit it from, from my grandfather. There we go. That is awesome. I, uh, I, I clearly I have a little bit in common with him as well because Dean is very strange, and that's one of the reasons <laughs> that I decided to do the podcast. <laughs> but you're lacking in the hugs, you know. Sometimes I need a little more affection from you. I think that's uh, that's something that I'm going to work on in the new year. That'll <laughs> Dean, be my next New Year's Dean, resolution. Dean, if you're riding a noble steed into your office every morning, you don't need more hugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's something I need, I'm sure, but maybe you're right. 
<laughs> yeah, I think Dean's. I think uh, in the self confidence department, Dean's doing just fine. He's, right. He's riding into the office on his horse. He had them widen and heighten the doors, and his team is required to play a trumpet. <laughs> might be okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to make that video one day of doing this. You need to come out of your shell a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what, Eric? I'm so glad you said that because Dean is so uh, so quiet and <laughs> uh, and so unassuming. It's sometimes difficult to remember that he's even here. <laughs> hey, I'm 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 going to be quiet now, deliberately. So so, in all seriousness, Eric, um, obviously that you know that uh, influence from your grandfather, you know, shaped uh, shaped the way that you saw the world and the things that you decided to get into and stuff like that. But for me, there's there's still like a little bit of a gap between airbrushing jackets for gang members and then designing websites to becoming a brand strategist. Like, how did the brand strategy piece really come into play? Was there like a, a an occasion where you just found out that you were good at that, or was that something that you wanted to practice and become good at? Like, where did that all stem from? Yeah, it's um, look at you with the tough questions. I yeah, know, right? it, you don't it, have it, to answer him, Harry. You can just tell him to shut up and stop questioning you. Right. Sorry, you broke up there for a minute. Can we talk about something else? Of course. Let's go back to Dean being British and talk about how awful the weather is over there. Is that what you'd like to talk about, Dean? I mean, just put the spotlight on me. Like, I'm sick of hearing about it. Right? No, you know, I, 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 guess, I guess what it really comes down to, guys, is that, you know, I never really set out to be an entrepreneur. And I, I would guess that my grandfather, were he still around today, would probably say the same thing. It just sort of is something that happened accidentally. I just was sort of trying to navigate life and figure out ways that I could capitalize on my creative gifts and get results for people. Right. And so um, I majored in fine art after college. Um, I started learning the computer. I wound up working in an agency uh, and learning, you know, software like uh, Macromedia Flash, which at the time was really about the only way you could create any sort of animated sound and, and visually driven uh, movie type of stuff that would stream normally uh, on the Internet. And so from there, I learned Dreamweaver. From there, I learned Photoshop. And I ended up with a skill set where I was able to create really pretty compelling you know, web media. But the problem was, was that, you know, I was working in a traditional agency setting. And what I was finding was that we were building a lot of really beautiful, uh, ineffective marketing for people. We were basically building beautiful brochures that would sit on the internet and not do a lot. And so I started researching direct response marketing. I started really digging into old school experts like Eugene Schwartz and like Gary Halbert and started learning more about how to touch on certain emotions, how to use story to drive action. And that sort of really was what pushed me into a place where I could combine my traditional agency experience, you know, building customer avatars and building empathy maps and learning how to really speak in a voice that your audience would resonate with and combine that with the more punchy, action-driven, direct response stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. I think it's it's always so fascinating to me how, you know, people have similar opportunities but then they what they chase takes them in a totally different direction. And I think that's uh I think that's just so cool. So, what what is an empathy map? <laughs> right. So, um, you know, we run several exercises with our clients when we take clients on board and and really a lot of those exercises start with 
a deep understanding of, of really who it is that you're trying to connect with, who your audience is. And I know that, you know, there's plenty of marketers out there who talk about doing, you know, customer research and finding your audience, right? But, you know, this is one of the things that I, I believe 95% of all marketers really are lazy about and sort of miss the boat on because, you know, there's there's seven real core emotional drivers that motivate people, whether that's a, you know, a feeling of wanting to be safe, a feeling of wanting to protect your family or your kids, a feeling of of wanting to live forever, a feeling of wanting to be perceived as being beautiful, um, and really understanding where your customers are, who your customers are, what the pain is that they're experiencing, what questions or reservations they may have about wanting to work with you so that you can address them in your marketing, right? And essentially that's a story. When 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 you sort of when you sort of boil it all down, what you have to do with your marketing is you have to tell a story. But part of that story, especially if your marketing is to colder audiences who don't really know you, is an authority piece. It's a it's a trust building piece. And so in that first act of your story, you have to, uh, you know, establish some credibility. You have to build some trust. You have to build some rapport. But you also have to uh, set the stage. You have to set the stage for the story and speak to them in a language that's going to understand them and hit them uh, where they're feeling where they're feeling pain. Do you kind of have this this view of things where because I noticed you said in the first act, do you like follow some sort of narrative arc? Um, in telling that story that builds that relationship and like, you know, like you would in a, in a movie or a play or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's interesting for the most part right now, guys, our business is, is focused on auditing. It starts with auditing, right? Spotting opportunities. So whether that's, you know, an audit engagement with a new client where we're looking at their marketing, you know, or their entire marketing ecosystem or a funnel, and looking at every step and just making sure that, you know, they're telling a consistent story, that the tone is consistent, that the story is consistent and follows that that sort of, you know, traditional story arc, right? But what's interesting is that we've also done a lot of work lately helping agencies with their with their clients creative. And when we started doing more and more work with agencies, you know, we're doing a lot of work right now with a um, really well-known native ad agency called uh, Reachfire Digital. And so for their clients, what, what we're doing is I noticed that a lot of people talk about, you know, top of funnel, middle of funnel, uh, bottom of funnel, and, you know, essentially common knowledge or, you know, commonly accepted knowledge is that top of funnel is where you, uh, you know, produce content that helps generate awareness to a problem, right? Or a product or a solution. So eBooks, reports, blog posts, right? And then middle of the funnel is where you would give your leads content that facilitates education, right? So webinars, testimonials, case studies, stuff like that, right? And then bottom of the funnel is content that facilitates conversion. So whether that's a free trial or uh, scheduling a one-on-one consulting call or whatever that may look like, right? But what I found is that, you know, good marketing shouldn't be tied to funnel steps or tofus or bofus or any of that. It should be tied to storytelling, in my opinion. And so we wanted to really run some tests to see if this would hold true because this is sort of what I had perceived to be true. But suddenly I'd found myself in a position where we were working with a lot of clients that had a significant ad spend. So we were able to actually 
really do some really good testing here, right? And so I started looking at how you might apply this tofu upside down triangle thing to a more traditional direct response formula, like, uh, you know, AIDA. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that, right? Like get someone's attention, generate interest and desire, and then get an action, right? And so, um, you know, we started looking at how do we create content at the top of funnel, uh, like in paid ads or whatever that may be, that's going to, um, you know, as with tofu, it's going to generate, um, you know, awareness to a problem or, or a product. But to me, what I find is that that fits into that story arc, right? Relatable characters, problem and scenario setups, right? And then interest and desire, the second act, you know, you dig deeper into the problem, you escalate the story, you, you know, relate the solution to your audience, right? And then uh, the third act of that story, the action, right? Where you sort of, you know, you produce content that facilitates conversion. So essentially what I was doing was, you know, sort of trying to apply this three-act story structure that's been used in Hollywood forever uh, and combine it with a sort of direct response formula that would be used to create a traditional sales page and apply it to, uh, you know, a funnel, basically, right? So, and I tell you what, man, when when we started testing this, the results, uh, the results were ridiculous. Um, well, that's what I want. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. Right. Yeah, so what? we have we have a couple clients right now who, um, you know, every client's KPIs are different. Everyone's got a different sort of metric that they want to hit. A lot of our clients, their main KPI is return on ad spend. They're really focused on their ROAS. And we had one client who came to us and his goal was a 300% ROAS, which is damn good, right? I mean, if you, if you can, if you could get 150% ROAS, you know, every $10 you spend, you're making 15. You would generally say, cool, how do I turn the fire hose open on this, right? right. Yeah. Uh, he wanted a 300% ROAS. And once we started applying these concepts, he's now, I don't know what it is today, but I know the last time I checked with him, he was at 466. Wow. Um, and so it's pretty common now that we're able to get some pretty crazy results for our clients, you know, um, opt-in rates in the, in the 60 to 70 or even 80% on cold traffic, because what we're doing here is we're just, we're using a three act story structure, which I mentioned, and that's, you know, every story ever told in the history of ever is based on one of seven plot types. So we're taking this three act story structure where act one, you set up, uh, you know, the story, you establish the plot, you establish the players, you, you establish the pain points act two, uh, the escalation, right? You dig into the story, you raise the stakes and that, uh, or the confrontation, sorry. And then act three, the resolution, right? The happily ever after, or the turning point or the solution or whatever that is. And, and when you take a, an arc like that, that builds drama, but also has a payoff at the end and you apply one of the, the seven, basic plot types that everyone knows to that, suddenly people are, are really familiar. They may not know why they're familiar. They, they may not know uh, why they're sucked into your story, but uh, there's a method to this madness. This is Mark Twain. This is Star Wars. This is, you know, this is things that we're all familiar with and very comfortable with. Right. Mm. So cool. So, so um, sel- selfishly, I've got some, some questions about the mechanics of this. Sure. You don't normally struggle um, with that aspect, James, of being selfish. So I just jump in. <laughs> and Touché. guys, sorry if I'm rambling, but I really love this stuff. And so you're it's, asking me all the right questions. And I've had a lot of coffee and a lot of soccer this morning. So I'm just like, 
rambly and, and fired Eric, up. Eric, just carry on. Are the you... more we listen to you, the less I have to hear of James. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you in your pool right now, Eric? I am not in my pool. Uh, I'm in my office. I've got a neighbor who's this um, like 80-year-old Jamaican guy, and I love him to bits. His wife always brings us mangoes. They're very cool people, but he's retired, and so he pretty much mows his lawn six times a day. <laughs> uh, and so I saw him out there fiddling with his lawnmower, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to head inside for this one." <laughs> All right, because I because I have it on good authority that you actually work from in your pool and your laptop is on the edge. It sounds like it's a very rough life being Eric Stafford. I, I do do that. I won't lie. It's uh, <laughs> well, it's 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 murder murder is hot down here in the summer, right? You yeah. guys used to live down here, so you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's amazing. I was just curious if we were broadcasting from the pool. No, I uh, apologize. We're not. Yeah, thanks to your. Retired Jamaican neighbor. <laughs> so, um, so, so back to back to the mechanics of this. I'm tr- I'm trying to like the the concept and the theory makes makes total sense and very very cool way that you're approaching this. If I were going to set up an ad campaign where I'm thinking in Act One, Two, and Three, are those separate ads that? Then when people see them, we move people to other custom audiences. And I know this is like super low-level detailed question, but I'm sort of curious how you execute that strategy. You know, it's 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 different for uh, every client and it's different for every campaign, right? It really sort of depends on the marketing. It depends on the funnel, right? And so a lot of times what I'll see on Facebook, for example, is, you know, people are trying to produce one ad that basically explains who they are, why you need to listen to them, what they do, why that's important to you, and what you need to do next, which is just a hell of a lot to accomplish in one ad, right? Right. It, it, especially while trying to remain compliant and while trying to keep your numbers from being upside down, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll look at trying to split that message up. And so, you know, for example, a, a really good way of doing that might be maybe your initial ad is a CPM engagement piece that just asks a very particular audience a question. And the goal of that ad is to get interaction and get them thinking about a problem that they're having or an experience that they've had and get them to engage, get them to like it, get them to share it, get them to comment on it. And then you could run a second ad that's uh, you know, expands upon that story and creates sort of a, you know, a little bit of drama and a little bit of escalation and run that as a retargeting campaign just to people that have engaged in that first ad, right? So mm-hmm. people traditionally view retargeting as something that you would only do to someone who's been to your website. But I just find that there's gaps in that story, right? We all mm-hmm. click around the internet all day long without thinking about it. But in this case now, you're following up with someone. And this is very similar to what uh, Todd uh, Brown does with, you know, just, you know, sort of funneling different people into different sequences based on the actions that they're taking. It's not, it's not rocket science, but it does require more work. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll look at scenarios like that. We'll look at retargeting campaigns. Um, it's really more of an overall understanding of where there are gaps in marketing, right? And so 
you know, I had mentioned story earlier, right? There's, there's seven, there's basically seven plots that we are all, that we are all super familiar with and super comfortable with. And one of those plots is uh, overcoming the monster, right? And so when you think of that plot type, you might think of um, a movie like Jurassic Park or a movie like Jaws, right? I, actually, I'm thinking about uh, Dean's upcoming wedding and his fiance's plight in that whole situation. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, that might be the hero's journey. Right. Which uh, it could be. I don't know. I uh, thought overcoming the monster was very appropriate for that one. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a very common story that we're all really familiar with, right? And so in a story like that, if you were to apply that to marketing, maybe the monster, um, you know, the, the antagonist is a person or an organization like AT&T, right? Or Big Pharma, yeah, or or maybe the the monster is less tangible. Maybe it's a belief system, or it's an attribute. Maybe maybe the monster, if you're operating in a conservative space, is liberals, right? Or maybe if you're in the fitness space, the monster is gluttony. Yeah, mm-hmm. but what I find is that you know a lot of times I'll read a front end Facebook ad, and they've established a clear monster, and then you get to the sales letter, and suddenly uh, the story changes, and now they're telling a a rags to riches story. So, for example, now suddenly it's before and after, mm. right? Right? If it's a health thing, yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? And so, yeah. mm-hmm. when you start flip flopping back and forth between tone and between you know visual aspects, fonts, between colors, between you know colloquialisms and 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 copy. And when you start flip-flopping back and forth between your your plot type and your and your emotion that you're trying to hit on, people dip out. Right. They're like, what the hell is this shit? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we're talking about so it's just congruency from ad to offer and all the way through. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so a lot of times when we do audits, we'll go so far as to uh, well, we buy all the products, we go through customer support, we'll call customer support. Uh, we check the funnel on multiple devices. We look at it on mobile. And I know you guys are familiar with this little uh, software program called ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels makes it super easy to split test these things. And it makes it super easy to make sure that these things are working on mobile, right? right? Because more and more people are on mobile. And and it's not just about having a good offer. I've met I've met a ton of people in my life who have a killer offer, but they're just not really clear on who they need to get that offer in front of. And what buttons they need to push, and and I mean that in the most ethical way possible, to really make people understand the benefit of what they're doing and make them take action. Yeah, man, this is uh, this is really really valuable stuff. So, so the the audit that you guys do is part of that whole thing that you're talking about, where you go through the funnel and you click on everything, and like you sort of find out where those gaps are and these incongruencies are and things like that. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, these days for the most part, James, we, we won't onboard a client without doing an audit, whether that's sort of a mini audit, if there's just, you know, one sort of main lead generation piece they're using or one sort of funnel that they're using, or if they haven't created anything yet, we're just looking at their website, looking at their social media and the messaging that they're putting out. Sometimes it's a slim down audit. Sometimes it's a full audit, but either way, we we always insist on one now for a number of reasons. And one of those reasons is it really sort of separates the wheat from the chaff, right? Like we, uh, I want to, I want to go through and, and make sure that, well, I mean, I guess really the first thing is I want to get paid for the strategy that's in my head. I've done this for two decades now, and I don't just want to spend time writing proposals 
and doing, you know, calls and meetings with people who, for the most part, a lot of them don't ever become clients. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we insist on an audit because we want people to have some skin in the game. If we're going to put our time and effort and energy into the game, we want them to have some skin in the game. And so we insist on an audit up front. And, um, and also, you know, when we are able to audit what someone is doing or what they hope to do, I feel much more strongly that the recommendations that we make will lead to results based on my experience. Right. And so without doing the audit, it's sort of like if, you know, if my car was sitting in the driveway smoking right now and I called up six mechanics and they were all like, yeah, it's going to be 500 bucks. And one of them might be, well, it's going to be two grand. Well, it's the brakes. Well, it's the motor. Um, so, you know, we really want to get in and say, right, well, you know, here's what we recommend you do based on our experience. And so whether we end up doing implementation work for that client or not, we get paid for the initial strategy rather than giving it away for free. And then we also give them something tangible and valuable that they can walk away with because generally, you know, and this is going to sound shitty, but you know, our clients get results based on, based on what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for, for people who are listening right now, who are in an agency or sort of a consulting role, a service provider like that, this, this model that Eric's talking about, you absolutely should just adopt this. Um, you know, that's the difference between the mark of a professional and an amateur. And, and also it's the, it's the way to get high quality clients who are willing to pay versus tire kickers who just want to pick your brain all the time. So I, I totally agree with that approach, Eric. Cool. Yeah. We're actually working on a program right now where we're going to be able to teach people the five-step process we use to audit marketing, which is something that I never really thought I'd be able to do because it always sort of felt very uh, intrinsic and sort of intuitive to me, but, um, we've spent a lot of time examining it and breaking it out and really examining, uh, the different aspects of how we audit marketing. And so, uh, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. So, so, so if, if somebody, you know, if somebody wants to do this on their own, um, the things that they're looking for, at least at a high level, are one going through the, the whole funnel from beginning to end, from ad all the way through to action and looking for places where there's incongruency in the message that they're talking about. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say not even just through to the action, but also through to the delivery of whatever it is you're selling, the experience of the customer, the follow up and all of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. And then, and then after that, when you're going through the audit, I imagine that you're finding these sort of gaps in, in these various places then you set a deliberate intention on what you want the tone to be, what plot line or what type of plot you're trying to run with and that sort of thing. And then you start crafting the strategy and then there's an implementation phase. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty accurate. That's about right. I mean, generally, generally the audit process breaks down um, like this. So the first step is sort of a discovery phase where we sort of look at all of the existing marketing. We buy the products. We organize everything that we want to look at. We get all the links together so that we know exactly what it is that we're looking at, right? The second phase is uh, what you had mentioned, James, sort of the tone and the and the message audit, where we look at the emotional triggers. We look at the story. We look at the plot line. We look at the arc. Uh, the third stage is a visual audit. And this is where we look at uh, fonts, right? We look at colors. We look at padding and spacing. Is it easy to read? 
um, is it consistent, right? And I see this a lot, right? There'll be a lot, you know, there'll be a, uh, a first page of a funnel and the second page of the funnel will look completely different, right? And, and so are the images high enough resolution and are they not too big? Do you know, which gets into, uh, another phase that, that, that we do. But so the visual, the visual audit and then, and then a vocal audit, which is actually the copy. Right, we look at it. Uh, is it congruent? Does it make sense? Is it punchy? Is it easy to read? Is it written at too high of a level? Uh, does it have enough direct response in it that people are going to take action? And so, um, you know, the first phase discovery, the second phase sort of a tone and messaging audit, the third phase is a visual audit, the fourth phase is a sort of vocal, a copy audit, and then the fifth and final phase is a technical audit. And this is where we sort of say, you know. Is it mobile compatible? Is it loading correctly? Are the images way too big? How's the page speed? Um, if it's a direct mail piece, is it going to get opened? Right? Is it? And so, just like the technical aspects of how the marketing is delivered, and then basically what we do is we take all of our findings and we put them together into an audit document. And the audit document always sort of starts with, you know, three to five pieces of low hanging fruit, which we believe are going to generate. ROI the quickest because, you know, our audits are not cheap and we want our clients to get results. And generally when we go through marketing like this, and, you know, I would encourage you to do the same, really take a look at your marketing and think about the bigger picture. And when you do that, you're going to spot some gaps and you're going to spot some areas for opportunity. Yeah. I think that, I think just the whole concept of objectively assessing the system as a whole is something that everybody yeah. should be doing. Even if on their own websites, right? And their own processes, even if they're not doing it for other people, absolutely. like do it to yourself for a minute, <laughs> at least. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. Right. Like, you know, take, take the time, you know, I think sometimes this is, this is the, this is one of those places where I feel like so many people get so bogged down in what they're doing every single day that if they took a little while to raise their heads up, and just kind of look out at that big picture and objectively assess their situation, the things that they implemented would be so much more powerful because they were guided by, um, you know, more, more clear intention and deliberate thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. And then this whole, this whole concept of the act one, two, three thing, I think is, um, really, really Mm -hmm. interesting as you take people along that journey. Um, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, on I that, think Dean? I think it's amazing. I tell you one of uh, one of the things sort of I, I I love to take notes when I'm when I'm doing these shows just for selfish reasons as well. But and so one of the sort of big things I'm taking here from this, and I think probably a lot of people I know I can say I'm guilty of this um, over the past and even maybe currently to a degree, is I'm oft I often look at each part of the business as its own piece. So for example, just to put this in context, like uh, advertising when we're doing Facebook ads, for example, I would maybe have fallen into a trap in the past of seeing like, well, the job of the ad is just to kind of get the click over to the website. And then the job of the website is to do this. And then the next step is to do this. But kind of what like a a big kind of eye opener for me here is actually saying, well, hang on a minute, even though they might have their specific, you know, outcomes for those things, is everything tied together congruently? So that from ad to page to this to that, does it still flow whereby it makes sense? Because I think that was absolute gold. What you said, Eric, is like you might be telling one story or conveying one message in your ad and people have clicked through and then the website kind of takes them on a completely different direction. And there's this mismatch. And I I, I can definitely say looking at looking at some of our stuff is that 
I have looked at the ad as one thing, like not even thinking, well, what, where's this ad going? More so, what's the job of this ad? Like, let's get that click and let's get it done. And then just looking at that and saying, oh, great, our click-through rates, everything's looking awesome, our cost per click, great. And then looking at the website as its own separate entity. But really, like, what you've right. just kind of opened my eyes completely to and reminded me is, hang on a minute, this is all one process that may have its own sections, but it has to flow. I think that's gold. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really perceptive of you to to, to sort of highlight and 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 – and pull that out of our conversation, Dean, you know, and, and we've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. And what we find is that um, really, really, really successful entrepreneurs, you know, that they're smart enough to hire uh, not sort of yes men who are going to make them feel like they're riding a, a noble steed through a tall doorway, but, <laughs> but they're, you know, they're, 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 they're hiring the best of the best. Right. And so they're hiring the best Facebook ads agency they can find. They're hiring the best copywriters they can find. They're fi- hiring the best email marketers and, and page builders that they can find. But as you, as you just mentioned, all of those people need to be sort of playing from the same sheet of music. Right. Right. And, and, you know, so, we find that with our audits, generally, one of the things that we always end up doing with our clients is building a media library and a standards manual of approved language and approved images and approved fonts so that everyone is on board and you can say, look, this is these are our messages. These are how they're delivered. And so, I mean, you might have an amazing person running your social media and your page is growing and you're getting likes and engagement is lovely, but it's hard to measure sentiment. And you need to pull dollars out of those people at some point in time. And the way that's done is when they see your other stuff, when they watch your videos on social, or when they click over from social to your blog or your YouTube channel, it looks and feels like the same shit, right? And, and the way right. to do that is with you know, a media library, standards, documentation, and, and it's boring. And it's, it's, it's like brand, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, when we first started the interview, James, you mentioned, you know, brand strategy and it's not sexy. It's not easy to, to quantify, but this is where long-term results happen. Well, and that's, that's actually the other thing I want to touch on here um, is the long-term sustainability, because one of the things that I feel is uh, very commonly accepted belief in the direct response, especially the internet marketing community, is that you have to constantly keep changing things because people get burned out and on on seeing and hearing what you're saying and all this other stuff. And while I definitely think there's some need for variety and and all of that, what what I believe, and you can tell me if I'm totally wrong on this, is that if you get this whole end-to-end picture mapped out the right way, and get the message crafted and get the stories in place and all that other stuff. It seems to me that, you know, you can let this run for a longer period of time without getting burnout because it's actually resonating with people on a deeper level and it's not just something shiny. Yeah, I've found that to be true. I mean, with certain platforms on the front end, like Facebook ads, for example, you do have to refresh your creative fairly often because they will just sort of burn out depending, depending Mm -hmm. on your audiences. But a lot of times that's just a matter of sort of telling that first act uh, with different images and with slightly different copy. And you can sort of run, you know, Russ Rafino is a great example of this. He coaches coaches on how to be better coaches and teach more coaches how to be coaches. 
Um, he's very good at it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him and his, web, yeah. his webinar is amazing. Um, and he's just refreshing new creative on the top end to run people through that same webinar that I believe he's tested a couple, but he's been running the same couple of webinars for, for a good two years now. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and because it works, why would you ever change it? Right. Um, but what you'll find is that you'll find that there's different sort of entry points across the top. And as you, as you test these different sort of stories or hooks, you know, Kevin Rogers, the, the copywriter calls them hooks. You'll find the ones that really dig in and resonate. And so if you're a fitness guy, the hook might be, you know, about age and staying fit as you're older, or it may be about how you can jog your nuts off and you're never going to get skinnier unless you dial in your nutrition, or it might be about, right. There can be a hundred different stories on the front end, as long as they sort of roll into a second uh, act that escalates and explains why that's important and really touches on the right, on the right buttons. And then you can take them wherever you need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, so cool. I think it's uh, I think it's also a powerful reminder that, you know, calls to action and, you know, cost per clicks and all that stuff, that's a very important part of the equation. But the other part of the equation is the brand and the message and the what's actually being communicated there. And um, you got to bring both of those together in order to get the result. Like either one on its own is just going to be lopsided. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so Eric, if, if people wanted an audit from you guys, um, is there, uh, do you guys have openings for that or is it, uh, sort of just you were teasing and tantalizing us with, with the idea of that? Yeah. I think now's when I'm supposed to say that there's only five spots available, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Dean and I just took two. Right. Yeah, right. So. You know, it's that, that's another fi- final, uh, tip since, you know, the show is called just the tips that I will leave people with is that, um, you know, people aren't stupid and they can smell bullshit from a mile away. And so, you know, what I've found is that the best results that we've been able to get for ourselves and for our clients are when we're honest, when we have a really good product and when we're honest about what it does. And when we get that offer in front of the right people in a compelling way, if you're selling a digital ebook and you're telling people there's only 20 copies left, that's (laughs) bullshit. (laughs) people know people know right and so i would just say um you know lead with your heart be honest you know be an ethical marketer it is possible to get incredible results and not be a douchebag so all that said all that said there's only three audits available that's exactly right and they're gone (laughs) monday they're gone on monday Uh, so um two applications are sitting on my desk (laughs) (laughs) oh no one left yeah you um you guys have been wonderful. I really appreciate you having me on the show. If people want to learn more about what we're doing, you can visit us at staffordmarketing.com. So it's S-T-A-F-F-O-R-D, staffordmarketing.com. And I tell you what, um, with your permission, guys, if it's cool, anyone that heads over to the website and, and sends me a message, I'm more than happy to send you over uh, one of the one-page audit checklist sheets that we use when we do audits. So you can print it out. And whether you're looking at a Facebook ad or whether you're looking at a squeeze page or a sales page or whatever, you can just sort of go down that sheet and you can check things off. And so um, is it cool if I if I give folks that? Uh, I think it would be more than cool. I yeah. appreciate that offer. I think that's super generous. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So head on over to StaffordMarketing.com and, uh, and send me a message or, you know, just send me a message on Facebook. I'm on Facebook pretty often. And, uh, and since you guys, uh, you know, follow the show, 
and love the show, then uh, I'll make sure that you get a copy of it. That's awesome. Uh, Dean, what do you think he would have said if I was like, no, no, Eric, that's not cool at all? I think I would have would just shut have- you down, let alone Eric. <laughs> well, we could always just cut, cut, cut. You know, let's start over. Right. Yeah, let's take it from the top. Take it from the top. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, so, uh, well, this this has been amazing, Eric. Right. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks so much. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Um, any any parting thoughts from you, Dean? Um, I, I think it's just been awesome. I, I I pretty much just covered my my biggest takeaway, but I think it's testament to uh, to you, Eric, and all the value you've dropped. The fact that this is probably one of, if not the longest podcast episode we've had, James. Do you think? Yeah, it's true. And I, and I think that's yeah. just testament to the fact like there was just so much gold coming. So thank you so much. It's been amazing. Wow, I appreciate that. I was looking at the time, and I was like, "Are they going to cut out the trumpets or what? What's going on?" Here? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll slice and dice a few things out. Mostly, they just cut Dean out because um, <laughs> because he never shuts up, right? Right. right yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, that's just one good oh, thing today. So you got to leave that in. We'll leave the one good thing. In. <laughs> hey, uh, all joking aside, guys, I am a a huge fan of the show, and I really appreciate you inviting inviting me to be on. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being here, Eric. Um, thank you guys to uh, to all of our listeners. For those of you who want to take Eric up on his offer and get that uh, the one sheet that they use for audits, just head over to staffordmarketing.com and you'll get hooked up with that. Um, and continue to uh, to subscribe and tell your friends about the show. We appreciate you guys. Until next time, this is James P. Friel signing off with my co-host, Mr. Dean Holland. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbeefreal.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.